We lead with the LaMelo Ball injury update and then discuss what leaders might be out there on the free agency market for the Charlotte Hornets team. That's all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The centering. Okay, the centering is off again. Okay, you don't you do not do anything. You don't do anything. Right. I will fix it. Don't this worry. is behind the scenes. We are going, trying to shift the frame as we really work here. And so you are getting this. And while we do that, I'm going to tell you, thank you for making us your first listen and how we're free and available anywhere you get your pods. I'll also tell you that you can check us out on YouTube every single day, every weekday, that is. You can check us out on the Locked on Hornets YouTube channel. And that is Doug Branson, the man that just fixed me being centered in my frame. You can also go check out his work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Doug, we did get some good news with LaMelo Ball while Mitch Kupchak was taking questions through multiple media availabilities. Mm -hmm. The bone is fully healed. That is the injury update that we got. So do you have any other updates or is it just that it's fully healed (laughs) and he's ready to go? That's that's the question. Um, It seems like great news, but hopefully he'll be out there 100 percent game one rocking and rolling with Brandon Miller and company, a part of the 2023-24 Hornets. That's all we got from Mitch Kupchak, unfortunately. He said the bone is completely healed. I'm not even sure if he specified which bone, but I think it's safe to assume that it's a bone associated with that right ankle fracture uh, that he suffered at the the, the final ankle injury that he suffered of four total ankle injuries last season. That's just an, it's just incredible. When I say that, when I, when the words leave my mouth and enter back into my ears, um, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but he had the ankle surgery on March 1st. So the ankle bo- bone being completely healed uh, is significant news. I would assume, because I think it means that he's uh, if he's not already working on getting back on the court, uh, then he is pretty close. Um, we know that he's been around the draft process. He's been around Charlotte. He's been on a European uh, fashion tour. So he's been out and about. And we saw a video of him uh, chopping it up with the new draft pick, Brandon Miller. It looks like he's in good spirits. Mm-hmm. And so now I think the question is, okay, ankle bone completely healed. Hopefully he gets back onto the court soon. Uh, what's next for LaMelo Ball? How quickly can he resume that action get stronger and maybe prevent some of these, you know, future injury possibilities. You know, I, I always go back to when Cody Zeller got hurt and he, he got hurt all the time. Right. And <laughs> he would talk about how much it, how it was better when he would have an upper body injury so he could still undergo conditioning drills and that wouldn't be any problem getting back into shape. But when he had a lower body injury, whether it be a knee, whether it be a foot, ankle, whatever, that would actually take a little longer to come back from, not because of a longer healing process, but because it was a lot longer for him to get back to NBA condition. Now, that's not true with LaMelo, who's had this entire offseason to get back into conditioning, so I don't really worry about that. What I do wonder is how many finishing at the rim drills you're able to do. When we talk about strength with LaMelo, you certainly want upper, you want all of himself to be improved strength-wise, right? But also you want his ability to be able to take a beating while driving in the paint. You want, uh, you want him to be able to do that. And this is somebody that you would be pretty delicate with 
con- considering all of the ankle injuries. And so I wonder just how much, okay, so it's fully healed now. We have a few months to go before the start of the regular season. So it all should be good. I guess when you're talking about the Charlotte Hornets in this kind of timeline, it does seem like LaMelo is going to be a full go and you have some rehab time baked in there. That's why it was hard for him to get a rhythm during the regular season. But now at least you're able to, be, able to build a good foundation with months before tip off uh, for the regular season even happens. Yeah, you are hoping that he gets a significant amount of time this summer to get ready for this next season because it, it felt like he wasn't all the way there, you know, last season and then it got stunted in the preseason. And so, you know, he does need to get stronger. He does need to improve his finishing around the rim. I saw uh, some stats on Twitter that had both him and Rozier in the bottom 10 among guards that that get a lot of touches. Yeah, he was second to worst. Yeah, 54%. yeah, he was second to worst, and I think Rozier was in the bottom five as well. And so this backcourt uh, struggled last season um, to finish around the rim. And you're just – you're not going to be – the Hornets weren't successful offensively last season, and you're just not going to be if you don't hit threes and, and knock down shots around the rim – and they didn't do either of those things last season. And so seeing LaMelo improve in that uh, in that vein would be great. Also getting fouled. You know, we know that was a priority for him last season, uh, but he just never had really, I think, the opportunity to kind of get into the groove with that. And I think those are all things that are going to elevate him into from that all-star level, which he which he was in that year two, into an all-NBA level. And that's going to be important for the Hornets who – um, are on the verge of signing him to a, a rookie extension. Is it going to be a max extension? Is it going to be five years, $204 million? I mean, I think that's where you get concerned about his injury status is the Hornets are, are, are seemingly likely to commit as much money as possible to LaMelo and the future. You know, do, do the Hornets, I don't know, I mean, here's a question. Should the Hornets add some kind of games played stipulation similar to what we saw with Zion Williamson, who also had a history of injuries when he signed his max extension? You know, there was some some talk in that in that contract about how many games he was playing. Yeah. And and, and so the, the contract is interesting because to me, OK, there's two ways of, of thought here. If you are thinking about this from the Charlotte Hornets standpoint, they're going to they're going to want to ensure themselves as much as possible. So, of course, you would like to throw that out to LaMelo and his party only if you think they'd be receptive enough to not be pissed off about it, right? (laughs) And then, so you throw that out there. They say, no, we want this money, and we're not, you know, LaMelo is not Zion, okay? 36 games is more than what Zion has played a few times. That's true. (laughs) Three out of the four. So he's not Zion. You can throw that out if you want to. That's fine. I would understand why any team would want to do that. But you're not you're not having that be this stipulation to where you're just not agreeing to this type of contract if you're the Charlotte Hornets. If he turns that down, which they will, and honestly, for Lamelo, you should turn that down. You still give him all the money. And I've seen this too. Some national pundits talk about: Is it smart to give Lamelo this type of rookie max extension? There's just no doubt in my mind that you throw him all the money, Doug. You do. Right. If this Charlotte Hornets <laughs> team, crazy. with it being, <laughs> I mean, again, it it seems hyperbolic, but it's not to say that he's the best thing. Certainly in the second iteration of this franchise, but even going back to LJ being the draft pick, in some of the trades that Bob Bass was able to flip on its head, this is the best thing to happen to Charlotte. Plus. 
his game, even when he's injured, you'd love for him to be able to finish at the rim. It's a problem. It was a problem when he was a prospect. It's not fixed itself so far. That's a real issue, and you want him to get better at that. But also, the dude is a fantastic shooter, and he's a generational passer. So, okay, like we'll throw him $200 million. Yeah, there's there's just no real discussion to me as to, well, maybe you try to cheap him out a little bit. Now you throw him all the money, and it's totally fine. No, because it's it that is the leverage that's built in specifically for teams like Charlotte to retain talent in that first contract. And you have to utilize all of that leverage, especially when you know, LaMelo is the Charlotte Hornets offense and drafting Brandon Miller in the short term isn't going to change that. It will change it over time where they can share the basketball and some of the responsibilities a little bit if he's going to play the two mm-hmm. guard. But that's not going to change next season. He is you know, I think he was in the 80th percentile among point guards and assist percentage last season in the, in the short amount of time that we got to see him. And his usage percentage was among the highest in the NBA when he was on the floor. And that's not going to change next season. He will be the Hornets offense. You have to throw the max extension at him. And for, for those that uh, I think there's been some confusion in the chat about when he can sign this deal, people were saying, well, he hasn't signed his, you know, or, or he hasn't, uh, you know, gotten his rookie max extension yet before the draft. Maybe he's waiting to sign it to see who they draft. He can't sign it until July 1st. Like, uh, that's, uh, that's the date um, when right. free agency opens. And if he doesn't, then he's still a restricted free agent, and the Hornets will be able to match whatever if somebody else offers him a max deal, which would be less years um, and less money, then the Hornets will be able to match that. So regardless, LaMelo Ball – as long as the Hornets want him to be a part of this team uh, for the next few seasons, they're going to have that opportunity. Well, and we've, and again, it's always important to note, there has not been a player to turn down that type of offer yet. It is unprecedented. And we got a it's little a lot of money. It is a lot yeah. of money. Oh, it's, it's stupid money. We were thinking maybe Zion would be the first. We were thinking maybe, is there any kind of Luca displeasure with that franchise to the point where that wouldn't happen? But I don't even know how real the Luca stuff was. The Zion stuff was pretty damn real. Like we were all yeah. kind of, okay, this might be the first time it happens, but there's been no indication that Lamella would ever turn that type of money down. And at the end, even if you think within your heart of hearts that Lamella was going to decide to leave this team because he hates it in Charlotte so much and he hates the franchise, then the move there, if that's true, is to agree to the money and then demand a trade because we've seen players be successful agreeing to big contracts and then demanding a trade. I don't. Well, we haven't heard it, a whisper that's of still that. The we have not heard you as you were saying that the stuff with Zion not was real, but we haven't heard a whisper of that. In fact, we've heard a lot of the opposite. Lamelo has yeah. consistently um, committed to the Hornets in the city of Charlotte. Can that change in the future? Absolutely, especially. If this new organization that comes in, this new front office, this new ownership isn't committed and effective at making this team a contender, then absolutely that sentiment can flip on a dime. But I think for right now, as we approach this five-year max extension, LaMelo seems plenty satisfied with the city of Charlotte and the Charlotte Hornets. All right, we've been talking a lot of draft. Let's talk more LaMelo. Let's go into the next segment. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll continue the LaMelo discourse. I do want to have a few. Uh, I, I do have a few nuggets about the LaMelo ball mm. finishing at the rim thing. And then also I still want to talk about LaMelo ball as a leader. Mitch Kupchak 
said that he wants a leader with this team. Could that be LaMelo this year? Is it going to take a couple more seasons? We'll get to that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to her vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage tab and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, get the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. More Lamello coming up next. Locked on Hornets is locked on hornets i'm glad we have youtube now for everybody to see just how bold you are can you give us a gun show flash real quick oh yeah you man look look at that drape that's 100 percent grade a look here i am doing it i look at these noodle arms right here look they just flow we got it this is a listen yep yeah, just you want long, chicken wings? Arms. Yeah, if you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. <laughs> YouTube.com yeah, I mean, forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We can get to the leader stuff in just a moment. As far as the finishing at the rim, so this was a tweet by NBA University. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yeah, that's what I was referencing. Yeah. Right. Lowest field goal percentage at the rim among high volume drivers. Lou Dort was the worst at 48.6%. LaMelo Ball was second at 54, just to give you a few more guys surrounding him. Jaden Ivey was 54.7%. Jalen Green, 55.2. A lot of young and guys. Then, and then Terry Rogier. You said some of my guys? No, a lot of young guys. Oh, a lot of young guys. I thought you said a lot of my guys, like Jalen Green. Okay. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Terry Rogier finishes out the bottom five, finishing 57.6% at the rim. Just to give you the qualifiers here, this was a minimum of four rim field goal per uh, field goal attempts per game to qualify. 73 players qualified for that, and it's a restricted area attempt stat via NBA.com. And so that were all those were all the qualifiers. Now, again, Doug, just real quickly. Uh-huh. This is something that the team is going to have to dedicate to fix. I mean, the, the dedicate resources to to say, okay, LaMelo is somebody that has not proven that he is great finishing at the rim. Again, it's been a problem for a while. Terry Rozier last year, if he starts, then it's a problem because your starting backcourt doesn't finish well at the rim. If he doesn't and you put Brandon Miller there, Brandon Miller just had a really bad season finishing at the rim. It started monumentally bad to the point where it wouldn't be that bad throughout the entire season. And then he improved to a still less than 40% percentage um, in half-court possessions. So Brandon Miller, Terry Rozier, and LaMelo Ball, that's a lot of backcourt guys that aren't getting to the rack like that. And if they do get to the rack, they don't finish very well. So this is interesting when you start to look for things to improve your team and free agency. I mean, Doug, as much as I like PJ Washington, PJ Washington has gotten better, but he's still susceptible to missing some layups. And just because he's smaller, if he's amongst the trees, that's a problem there. So then you bring back Miles Bridges, which I I wonder if that's still a foregone conclusion. I still think it is, but 
We got to talk just, about that. Maybe tomorrow yeah, when we talk about free yeah. agency, because yeah, I think it, we thought it was a foregone conclusion and, and maybe we were for wrong about it. Right. I don't know. I will say you're losing a guy that when he gets downhill is dangerous in an offensive setting it's and the would thing really you need. help. It's the yeah. thing you need. So, you know, so we'll see what they can do to improve all that. Well, what's crazy is that despite all of that, those rim finishing numbers that aren't very good, the Hornets offense improved by nearly seven points per 100 possessions with LaMelo on the court because oh because be, because of the offense that he generates with the pass because of what he opens up in transition because of what he opens up with his three-point shot it was the the best on the team when he was on the floor the hornets offense became functional when he wasn't it was non-functional but when you talk about what where the rim struggles are coming from i wonder what those stats are defining if they're defining it like layups right at the rim or if they're extending that out a little bit because what i've seen from lamello a lot and I think part of the reason why he doesn't get fouled more than some of his compatriots that have the ball in their hands as much as he does is that you'll see him pull up a lot for those very, very short floaters uh, rather than putting his head down and getting all the way to the rim and trying to dry, draw contact. And those floaters, there are some games when it's locked in, and that's when I think you've seen high point totals from him when that floater is completely locked in. Uh, but I would say most of the time it's a little bit hit or miss. And I think if they're counting those in there, then I think that could contribute to some of those rim numbers as well. All right, so that's something he clearly has to work on. What about being a leader, Doug? Because Mitch Kupchak, during these media availabilities, he talked about how they were going to seek leadership in free agency and how they might have had a couple of guys that are one or two years away from being a leader, but they don't have that right now. It's also interesting. I don't... People might look at that as an indictment on LaMelo. You're going to go to the franchise player first and foremost. And okay, you would like to see that as LaMelo matures. Remember, he's a very young dude. Even still, yes, he has an all-star appearance under his belt, but he's still young enough to where maybe he's not demanding the respect of, or and maybe just demanding what these veterans do. He's got their respect. I don't mean that. But just saying, okay, Terry, you got to do this, whatever, right? It's more of an indictment to me on a Gordon Hayward on a Terry Rozier and some of these veterans that are here right now. Does Mitch Kupchak say that when Bismack Biombo is in the locker room where no, he's not good on the court or he was with Phoenix, but whatever, right? I mean, Bismack was somebody that we did celebrate that did have a great relationship with LaMelo as LaMelo was coming into the association. What did you make of Mitch Kupchak's leadership comments? I mean, I think it's dead on, you know, he talked about, the fact that it's rare for young guys to to exhibit that, you know, he kind of made a flippant joke about like when you were, you know, he just turned 21. Like when you were 21, were you ready to lead a group of men? <laughs> I know I wasn't. I, I was barely responsible enough to lead myself, much less, you know, a group of guys trying to win, uh, you know, a championship in in a professional sport. So it is rare when players exhibit that. And I think what's also hurt LaMelo's opportunity to do that have been the injuries because I think, look, if he was all NBA level last season, I said, I've said this on previous shows. I think if he got to all NBA last season, then it's over. Like LaMelo is, you know, the, the, the guy that you're completely revolving the franchise around and you, you know, you expect him to lead at that point because he's not only the best player on the team, but he's one of the best players in the NBA. And there's a level of respect that comes from that that I think even veteran guys, if you're an all NBA, if you make all NBA third team, second team, first team, even guys that have been playing 
five, six, seven years more than you are going to go, okay, he is him, if you will. And they're going to respect that. Um, so, you know, it, it's either got to come from just experience or accolades. I think both of those things are going to come, but the accolades, all of those accolades haven't come quite yet. And look, if he, le- if he, if he hits a big shot in a playoff game, I mean, there, there are all kinds of things that could have happened in these three years that for a variety of reasons haven't happened. And I think it's just slowed down that leadership transition, that leadership process. Some of those things were in LaMelo's control, but a lot of them were not. And so I think, yes, LaMelo will get to the point where he will be one of the leading voices on this team. But, but I think Mitch is right to go out this season, this offseason, and find some veteran leadership, some guys that have played in some tough playoff games. We're going to talk about some names tomorrow in free agency. But I think he's totally right to look for that, that player because it's only going to help this exceedingly young squad. Yeah, uh, I mean, it. I think the tough part is the money that is not necessarily available, especially if they bring back Miles Bridges. And so this is going to be a mid-level exception type of team. And so if you view Kelly Oubre as that leader, which I think he did step up in that role at the end of last season when they weren't playing for anything and Kelly was the guy celebrating teammates for making a nice play and keeping them in some stuff. No, I don't know if that means that you pay him $15 million, whatever you think Kelly is going to call for on the open market. Maybe that's overshooting it. 12, I don't know, right? You can't just pay a guy because he's a good cheerleader in the second half. That's also good on the court in some spots, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Then who is the guy that fits that bill the most? That's what's going to be the interesting question as we dive in. But you make up a good point that this team is has drafted someone that has some off-the-court question marks in Brandon Miller. Uh, they may bring back someone in Miles Bridges. We've covered that story extensively. You've got James Booknight, who um, is still facing – uh, uh, a driving while under the influence charge that is to come. There have been a number of issues off the court that have been distractions for this team that have in some sense derailed the possibility of this team, you know, exceeding their expectations. And that reflects, that reflects on the locker room a little bit. I mean, guy, guys have to be, you know, working with each other to say, hey, we got to stay focused here and make sure that our minds are, you know, completely on the goal, which is to get this team to the playoffs and win a playoff series. And when things like that are breaking down, you do have to question where that leadership is coming from. Does it exist? And I think when you're making the call on the rookie max extension, you are betting that LaMelo will get to that place. And I don't doubt that he will. Uh, I, I think that it's going to, but I don't think that he's going to be a singular leader. I just, I don't, I don't see him as that kind of voice. Like, a, I don't see him as a Jimmy Butler type. I don't see him as a LeBron James type of like singular leadership voice in a locker room. I think he's going to be one of the leaders in this locker room. They've got to have multiple players. I really wish that I could like remake the universe and have LaMelo play his first three seasons with a guy like Marvin Williams. Where there's that because he just hasn't even had a guy like that to be around the locker room to go, oh yeah, like that's what you do when you're a locker room leader. This is the kind of these are the kind of things that you do. Uh, I think that's been a shame, but I think he's going to overcome it and and he will be at some point, you know, one of the leading voices in this on this team. Well, and and that was the you know it's not even a joke, right? That's why you bring up Biz because that's who they all pointed to. He was the guy when he was on the roster that was the leader on this team. Yeah. You would you would like for that guy to be on the court. You, you want to have the marriage there on court and in the locker room 
this guy is someone that you can look up to in all different phases. And I think that's where Marvin Williams would come in to your point. But you're right, just in that transition, it was biz as the leftover. And that was it from just the previous regime when you started to reset and you had the bad season before you eventually got LaMelo Ball. And so we'll see what they decided to do, uh, what they decided to do to bring in outside help. If you had one more thing. Well, our ideas of this are warped because LaMelo did excel so quickly. And yet we, you know, the NBA keeps drafting 18, 19 year olds. They, they can't come in uh, again, unless there are some special unique situations but typically they're not going to come in and command respect from a locker room. That respect has to be mm-hmm. earned. And while while his accomplishments within the context of this team have been excellent, um, you know, I think still when guys come in that have been on other teams that have actually accomplished things like getting to the playoffs and winning playoff series, you know, there, there's still some things to achieve before you can hand that mantle to him. All right. We got one more segment to go coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. The summer league schedule was released. Highly anticipated matchup. You have the number one pick and the number two pick squaring off against one another. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll give you the tip. And we'll also talk about some of the other games on the schedule coming up next on Locked on Hornets. All right. The summer league schedule, it was released. Doug, if I were to ask you, is this the most highly anticipated summer league that the Hornets have had in quite some time? Given not only that you have the number two pick, and a highly contested debate of who should be the number two pick. And the other guy the Hornets did not select is going to be there, along with the number one selection. To me, this is the most highly anticipated that we could get. And certainly, I can't think of anything in recent memory that is better than this one. No, I can't. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, too. The, the fact that this was such a contested pick, that folks are going to want to see Brandon Miller go up against Scoot. They're going to get that opportunity on July 11th. Mark your calendars. They're going to want to see Brandon Miller go up against Webinyama. Everybody's just going to want to see Victor Webinyama. And the first opportunity to see Victor Webinyama is going to be on July 3rd, the first day of the California Classic Summer League. And it will be against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Victor Webinyama seems like he's going to play in Summer League. So that's the first opportunity. You never know. Uh, but y- you hope he does because it's going to be exciting to see him in a Spurs uniform. It's going to be ex- super exciting to see Brandon Miller in his Charlotte Hornets uniform uh, going after it. That's going to be on ESPN2. Uh, all these games, looks like the national TV slate is ESPN2, NBA TV, and ESPNU. Um Oh, and an e- I just caught an ESPN News game. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> ESPN News. That That's what you would watch um, late at night when you went over to your friend's house and there was nothing else on. And so you just watch that repeat every 30 minutes. I can't minutes. believe it's still a, a channel. That's crazy. No, yeah, that's, that's a, that is amazing. No, it's going to be th- – this schedule is going to be a lot of fun to see Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson – and Victor Wibanyama all suit up against one another. We're going to get to see all of those matchups and uh, for them to be kind of going back um, and forth from Sacramento to Las Vegas. I know you have two different sites for the summer league schedule, Doc. Uh, yeah, they're in Sacramento, July 3rd and 5th. That game on the 3rd is against San Antonio. The game on the 5th is against Golden State. So if you're a Pre- uh, Brandon Pajemski fan, you get to see uh, Pajemski suit up <laughs> do his go. thing. Uh, so that'll be on the 5th. And then, yeah, they've got – then they go to Vegas uh, the 7th through the 17th. A total of six games. So you've got two against San Antonio, one against Portland, Golden State, 
They'll play the Lakers, and they'll also play New Orleans in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, but then there could be the possibility of even more games. So six total. I think they played five last year. And so one more game already. But then I think, Walker, the Hornets don't traditionally play well in summer league. For Well, I'll tell you, last season was because they didn't have a point guard. <laughs> maybe right. maybe bring a point guard uh, that you've got a – I mean, you've got a, guys, a couple of guys in Nick Smith Jr. and Amari Bailey, if they both play, uh, that can handle the basketball a little bit. So that's – uh, that's good. That's a good sign. But I think this team has actually an opportunity because they did make so many picks and they've got a few guys that maybe they could carry over from previous years that they've got a shot at actually competing in Vegas to maybe get a seventh or eighth game. No. And, and plus now you have some summer league vets if they decide to play where you have a third year guy in JT Thor, a third year guy in Kai Jones, possibly suiting up. Mark Williams doesn't expect to play because of his injury. So we won't get to see him, which is a real bummer. Um, at least bummer, that's but good. Get healthy because you're, sure. you're locked in and you're a starter. I think if you've, if you yeah. cemented your starting role, you know, even if he was fully healthy, I would say just, just sit this one out. Mark, that's fair. Good. Um, and Nick Richards too. I mean, he's cemented as the backup. Just keep him healthy. He's fine. But I, I'm, I'm with you, Thor. I think Thor's got to suit up. I think that Kai Jones especially want to see some more development out of him. James Booknight, who did not get an opportunity to to play last year and really missed an entire summer mm-hmm. due to due to an injury. That I think that this is going to be if we get if we get some note that James Booknight is not playing in the summer league. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that at that point. Like, right. yeah, I mean, you got to play. You got I me. Mean, you're playing for your life at this point. Playing for your NBA life or Charlotte Hornets life. Uh, it'll be a big summer league for him as well. Well, and uh, by the way, it does look like James Najee will play in summer league. We don't know if he's going to come over yet from FC Barcelona, his current team he plays for overseas, but I do, but it does seem like he, he wants to play in summer league. It looks like Barcelona will allow him to do so. Now we just don't know if there's going to be a Kubalka thing where then he eventually goes back overseas, doesn't come over and is in a part of the Greensboro swarm. But James Najee, man, that'd be a lot of fun to see him suit up and be that you're, big you're guy. So high on Najee. Like, yeah, I mean, I can hear it in your voice. You're just, it's well, I like, just like him. Yeah. It's like no, you've fall, like- you fallen in love. That's fine. It's just like, I can hear it in your voice. You're just so excited, bubbly. Well, plus they don't have a big guy, right? Like we just talked about Mark Williams and Nick Richards not suiting up and JT Thor if he's not going to go back from Vegas. So who's your big man at that point? Because I don't know. <laughs> so well, there's a not- lot of guys out there, you know, that are just trying to right. uh, make a summer league roster. You can always find a guy, which is what was so weird last season when they didn't have a point guard. It's like, how hard would it have been to find a decent point guard to because, you know, you wanted to see what you had out of some of these guys that you've drafted over the years and you couldn't get him the ball like Mark Williams. You couldn't get him the ball. That was right. just so frustrating. So it's, it seems like that's not going to be a big issue. I would be excited to see Najee. I'm a little confused why the Hornets are still drafting bigs that can't shoot. Cause I think that's like the gap that they still have on this roster. You've got Mark Williams. Maybe he's going to be able to shoot better this season. Uh, Nick Richards. I think he's hiding a shot. We'll find out. Uh, but just in terms of what we have evidence of, they don't have a big that can shoot. They can't go five out. And here you have Najee that doesn't – I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but it just doesn't seem like there's going to be any no. shot of him turning into a shooting big. No. The offense – when people call him raw, it's all about the offensive end, man. Now, I mean, I think I think he's a legitimately good roller from what I've seen, and he's nasty down low. Like, I don't 
you're not asking him to do any pick and pops right now. That's only Mark. But I, I think Doug, the reason I like him so much is I just think defensively, I think he's, I think he is smart. I think he gets great positioning. I already went with this yesterday, but it, it, he, he, to me moves better on the perimeter than Mark Williams does. And wow. at seven, at seven feet, I just think that guy covering that much ground, I have no problem with drafting what could be a very, very good defensive player trading up a few spots to go get him. You're right. I mean, he, th- I'm not going to fight you on his shot. It's not there. It's not happening. But defensively, I think he could really be something very, very good in the league. So, turn so, that into a so maybe, contract. so you're thinking of him possibly as like the backup center for Mark Williams of the future. Mark Williams hopefully does develop that shot that Steve Clifford seems confident that he can, that he can develop at some point. The organization, Mitch Kupchak's mentioned it before too, that he has that sort of ceiling, that development, you know, they, they think he can, can have that one day. And if he does, then there you have it. You've got your five out big and then Najee eventually takes over for Nick Richards and you've got your dominant defensive force that you can uh, unleash on teams yeah. uh, in your backup center role. All right. All right. Fine. You've, you've convinced me I'm on board. It just, obviously it's not going to matter for this coming season or maybe even next season, but like three years down the line, hopefully we're talking about more Najee. Well, and the, the other thing is too, yes, the dude has to play in the NBA before we start getting rid of Nick Richards. But I will say that contract, when he signed it, Doug, we talked about it. It wasn't James Najee wasn't in the picture. No other big was that contract, super tradable, that, that that contract, something that can grease the wheels and somebody would find him valuable enough as some center depth. And also it's 5 million. And and now if, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the greatest understanding of the CBA, but maybe this will help you with some flexibility because I know it's, it's some limitations. They're starting to tighten here a little bit as they start, but the CBA hasn't even been agreed to yet right now. All they have is a blueprint. It hasn't even but been people officially. Are still, they're maneuvering yeah. as if this thing is a done deal. And so right. you have to start thinking ahead. Otherwise you get caught on the back foot, but no, I'm not saying like, look, this is about competition. If Nick Richards comes out this next season as the backup yeah. center, he stays healthy. He, he suddenly has a jump shot that, that I think, again, I think he's hiding it under a bushel that's my big conspiracy <laughs> that Nick Richards actually can shoot threes and they've just been hiding right. it this whole time. If he does that, then yeah, I mean, you know, Najee, it's a low risk thing with Najee. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how summer league goes. Also, we'll talk about free agency. Who are some other guys that aren't playing summer league at all, but they'll be playing with the big boy club. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. Make sure you take, um, make sure you listen to game to game NBA, something that I've said every single episode, make sure you listen to game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Free agency primer tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. 